to you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, I trust in you. Let me not be ashamed, let not my enemies triumph over me. Indeed, let no one who waits on you be ashamed. Let those be ashamed who deal treacherously without cause. Show me your ways, O Lord, teach me your paths, lead me in your truth and teach me. Well, that was Peter Thiessen singing the first verses of Psalm 25 in the New King James Version. Peter put the psalm to music to help himself memorize it this past summer during our August Summer Memorization Challenge. And when the summer challenge wrapped up, Matthew and I had the joy of hearing Peter sing the psalm from memory while accompanied by his beloved ukulele. And you'll get to hear more of Peter's recording later on in this episode. Well, if you were with us last week for episode 139, you'll remember that Peter sat down with us to share some of his story of shattered dreams. After high school, he had gone into education and had done very well in his studies to become a teacher. And it wasn't until his second practicum that he and others realized there were big problems standing in the way of his becoming a successful classroom teacher. But on the day his dream of being a teacher completely died, on that very day, Peter experienced God as being enough. And in today's episode, Peter joins us again to tell us the rest of the story how God provided him with a job that he is equipped to do and enjoy, and what Peter learned along the way. We'll hear about using criteria to size up a potential job, the importance of having a good friend or two, and how Peter learned to think differently about the will of God in his life. But before hearing the resolution of Peter's search for employment, I wanted us to pause one more time and appreciate the gift Peter's story is to us. So often the testimonies we hear in the church are stories of our success, but the stories that I find most encouraging and most inspirational are the stories of failure. Here then is the rest of my conversation with Peter. Well, we really appreciate you sharing this story with us, Peter, because we, we understand this isn't a story of uh, you excelling and, and showing the rest of us how it's done, but it is a story of God's faithfulness. And, and, and what makes it obvious that <laughs> your intent is not to glorify yourself here is that, is that you're, you're willing to share us a story a failure in in your life, you know, where things didn't work out. This is not a story of I prayed for six months and I saw five people's counsel and then six verses lined up and then I went into this and wow, look at the amazing career I've had, right? Rather, it's it's a story of a young man who who did want to please the Lord, whose priorities were in the right place and it just didn't work out. And I think that's extremely um, valuable and encouraging for people to hear. Yeah, and I think that that word failure, sometimes we, we really like to avoid it. We want, well, we try to avoid failing, first of all. But I think sometimes we're really, we're really uncomfortable with the word, too. It, it's kind of like it has some sort of moral or ethical problem um, that comes with, with failure. But one interesting thing, it's kind of ironic, actually. Um, if I hadn't been in the education program, I'm not sure that I would have been equipped very well to, to handle failure, which is, which is a weird thing to, to say, but there was a concept that uh, I learned there called growth mindset. Uh, I'm not sure 
how familiar you are with it, but just the idea that things are learnable. And even if you aren't naturally skilled at it, you can improve. And another part of this, this concept is that failure is actually necessary for learning. Um, because if you don't fail, if you just get everything right the first time, it actually means you didn't learn anything because you already knew it. Yeah, um, yeah. I think we're going to see in a few moments here as we carry on that you learned a lot through through this failure. And and that's part of why we're <laughs> having you on the podcast here is because uh, you you went through that disappointment and uh, and you've learned a lot and and now we're getting to to learn from you. So yeah, so and coming back to what I said earlier about some people really not liking the word failure because it it seems like it has some sort of weakness associated with it or, or some like moral or ethical um, issue, but realistically, like my goal was to become a teacher and that didn't happen. So in that sense, I did fail, um, but ultimately I definitely learned things from the experience. So in that sense, I can see why people would say, and actually somebody recently just told me not to think of it as a failure. Um, and I, I understand what they mean, but at the other, on the other hand, yeah, I didn't meet the goal. And that's okay. So Peter, in the last episode, uh, you were telling us your story and you, you brought us to that very vivid day where it was the last day you taught and, and shortly after you withdrew. And so pick it up there. What happened next? Um, and how has the Lord directed you since then? Yeah, so one of the things that was perhaps a bit surprising uh, is once I did withdraw, actually one of the major emotions that I felt was relief. Um, just that a decision had been made and that now I could proceed with whatever steps were next. But what I did plan to do was to just spend some time in a very low-key way, just kind of resting and trying to create some good routines. And I spent quite a bit of time actually reconnecting with hobbies that I had to give up that I hadn't been able to really enjoy for years. It was very, very enjoyable. Um, a great couple of weeks. Another thing that was really key about that time and, and really leading up to that time was time I spent with people. Um, because, I mean, <laughs> you know me, Mike. Uh, I, uh, I, I do love a good gathering. Um, being around people is, is a great thing, in my opinion. Uh, and, and that was one of the hard things about this experience was I withdrew um, socially, like tremendously. Uh, I just, I didn't want to be around people. It was just hard um, in the emotional turmoil. So for example, fall is conference season here on the prairies. And I, I wanted the spiritual encouragement, but I just couldn't bear the thought of having to make small talk while my world's caving in. So I, I didn't do a lot. That said, I did have a really good friend. I, he's still my friend. Um, but I had a friend who I kind of let into my world at that moment. He has been a, a tremendous encouragement to me. Um, and, and really during that time, I, I started to think, you know, 
if I could give like one piece of advice to anybody, absolutely anybody, it would probably be, you know, find a really, really good friend um, and keep them <laughs> and, you know, build that relationship because that was a tremendous gift to me. And so following my withdrawal um, from that practicum, I started to spend more time with people. And at this point, now that there was a little bit of closure, um, I could you know, start telling my story. And then people would ask me what my plan was. And I'd say, I don't have one. I really have no idea <laughs> what I'm going to do next. Um, in one sense, it was quite freeing because I could literally do anything. I had freedom to like, go a different direction. And so for the first time, I started to think about what I wanted from a job. Um, so not just what I wanted to do, but like what were the qualities that I wanted in a workplace and in the tasks that I did. So it was really, really helpful to um, just think about that and to lay out some, some guidelines for what I wanted. So I thought about the things that I'd been a part of earlier that I'd enjoyed. So I had been involved in some student leadership at my first university and really enjoyed that. So I wondered about maybe taking on a role there. It's, it's kind of funny actually looking back and thinking about all the different things I, I wondered about, um, but they didn't have any relevant positions open at the time. So that was a dead end. Uh, another thing that, like an, another piece of advice that I had read um, was think about not just what you want to do, but think about a problem you want to solve. And so, like, well, I'll try that approach. And so I kind of found an issue that I thought, you know what, I think there would be benefit in trying to work to solve this. So there's an organization in another province that I considered being a part of, but again, they didn't have any relevant positions at the time. So another dead end, but you know, I'm, I'm looking around. I took online quizzes out of curiosity just to see like, okay, what does, what does Google tell me that I should do? <laughs> um, and I don't remember all of the results, but I, I do remember one and it ended up telling me something that I should, I should go into the arts or musical theater or something like that. I thought, oh no, I really do not have any marketable skills. <laughs> Apart from your ukulele, but uh, apart from, yeah, well, the, the, so I didn't even, I didn't even play the ukulele back then. Well, well, yeah, years before you did the web uh, test, I did it in high school. Okay. And uh, I think one of the top two <laughs> recommendations was for me to become a midwife. <laughs> so, <laughs> so um, yeah, to listeners, uh, definitely take those results with a grain of salt because believe you me, you do not want me to be your midwife. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> oh, man. Um, I'm sure there were good reasons for why they picked that, but I still <laughs> anyway. figured them out, but okay. Well, yeah, good for you. Well, I'm, I'm glad that you found a, a direction that is, is more suited to your <laughs> interests and abilities. Amen. Um, but yeah, so those directions, they were, they were interesting and just kind of like they, they were things that I thought about. And I think any of those directions potentially could have worked, but doors weren't open at the time, so um, I didn't go any further. So kind of during this interim period, because now I had about 10 months, because I want to go back to finish my degree in the fall, but it's now 
November. So I wanted to find one of two things. Uh, I wanted, well, I wanted to find an entry-level job that would give me some marketable skills and um, help rebuild my confidence because I was a pretty shattered person at this point. And one of two types of jobs. So either something in a field that I was interested in or something that was just an okay job, like nothing exciting, but then I would focus on volunteering and getting experience that way. So as I'm thinking about my list of criteria, what I want from a work experience, uh, there was one place that actually seemed to tick most of the boxes. So I sent in a resume for that, um, was given a, an interview, uh, which was really exciting. And yeah, driving back from that was such a great experience because I thought, you know, even if I don't get the job, it's fine. But it was nice to be able to say, you know what, I, I really feel like I tried. I really feel like I put in a good effort there. And by God's grace, I did actually get that job. So that was, that was a really exciting moment in my life. Um, those phone calls to um, people in my life were, were a lot more exciting than the, the last phone calls that I talked about. So yeah, we were, we were all very grateful to the Lord for opening that door. Uh, it was a part-time job. It was 15 hours a week, which obviously you can't make a living at that unless you're doing something pretty incredible. And my thought was honestly just to stay there for the next eight months. So to stay there until August of 2020 and then go back to school, see what happens next. But it didn't take long. I was there probably about a month and I realized, you know what? I love this. This is so good. Like it really does line up with the criteria I had for what I wanted in a job, the life work balance, which I know is, is a huge kind of catchphrase these days. Um, but it really was good. And I mean, it was 15 hours a week. So there was, there was a lot of life that I was able to fit in. Then in February, February 2020, it became a full-time position. Uh, at that point, I thought, you know what? I'm actually really enjoying this. I think there might be a potential of staying on for a little while. It's, it's kind of funny, considering that I plan to be there for about eight months, nine months. And uh, in December, this December, so December 2023, it'll be four years. And uh, not to go into great detail, Peter, but your work still involves children a lot, right? Like really young children. Um, it's still a very social type environment. You're still helping people. Uh, but it's just, it's not so much you in a classroom, organizing a classroom, managing a classroom, right? Yeah, 100%. And you know, it's so interesting that you mentioned all those things because really those are my criteria. Um, I wanted it to be uh, some sort of service. I wanted it to be a relationship-based type of work because um, that, even when I was in the classroom, that was always my favorite part was getting to know the kids um, some, a lot of people asked me, did you leave because of the kids? Like, <laughs> were they just horrible little gremlins? <laughs> and, um, I well, said, well no. kids, kids, kids always want to be able to claim that, right? They want to be able to go home and say, we were so bad. We, we ended some guy's career. 
Oh, so, man. so I feel like you're, you know, you're really, you're really what, you know, pulling the carpet out from some people's feet right now because they, they had claimed you, they'd claimed you. It was, uh, it was very disappointing for them. I'm sure if, if they ever choose to listen to it, actually, I still have a card in my office, not my office, my, my bedroom, um, that, so, so that class that I withdrew from in Portage, that la that class placement, it happened quite quickly. Like the teacher knew and I knew, but the kids didn't. And so sometime later I went back in to say goodbye to them, um, which was actually a fairly emotional experience. And one of them gave me a card. She said, I'm going to miss you. Hmm. And then on the inside, but I want you to follow your dreams. And I'm like, oh, so sweet. <laughs> so yeah, so there's there are the kids who are like, yeah, we drove him out. And then there's kids like that. So yeah, so I, I was thrilled to keep working with kids. They are younger than I was planning on working with. So elementary age, you work with usually from about five or six. Um, now I work mostly with preschool kids and it's so much fun. Oh my goodness. Um, it is a blast. So much energy, but oh, amazing. Um, and then, yeah, so you mentioned social aspect. I also wanted to be part of a team. So I wanted to not just be kind of on my own, but interacting with coworkers in a positive way, building that positive work environment. I've been very blessed to have that. Mm -hmm. And I'm very, very grateful for that. But yeah, no, I got my, even my bonus wish of wanting to work with kids. For you are the God of my salvation. On you I wait all the day. Remember, O oh Lord, your tender mercies and your loving kindnesses, for they are from of old. Do not remember the sins of my youth, nor my transgressions according to your mercy. Remember me for your goodness sake, O oh Lord. Good and upright is the Lord, therefore he teaches sinners in the way. The humble he guides in justice, and the humble he teaches his way. So, Peter, um, there's a couple things here that uh, come to me to ask you about, and mm -hmm. uh, just tell me if I'm asking things too intrusively or not. But um, So I can see that you're now in a, a type of work that's really matching the way God made you, and instead of you having no social life and and no room in your life to be enriched by the other things you love you're you're now loving your work and having time for these other hobbies and relationships and friendships and so on which is great but there's a there's a cost to this too right you know maybe maybe when you are with those people you you, you can't uh claim an identity that maybe would raise eyebrows as highly, you know, uh, maybe, maybe this is wrong, but maybe you feel like, okay, like when I, when I say what job I am, maybe it doesn't sound as impressive as saying, you know, I was a grade 12 physics teacher or something like that. And then secondly, maybe there's a, a pay cut too. So talk to us about that if you're willing to, uh, is just finding work that you enjoy more important than, than those things. Was that a challenge at all? Yeah. So um, I will say about the first one, um, the, the only thing, literally the only thing I miss about being a teacher is that it was, it was really, ex 
it was really easy to explain what I did. <laughs> um, now, so you, you asked about people being impressed by what I do. Now I think they're more just confused. <laughs> um, and how I describe it is I work in the field of social service, specifically in the area of family support. And I run educational programs for families with, mostly with preschool age children. So, I mean, there's like a whole string of words. Um, so I think I just leave people confused <laughs> more so than um, unimpressed. But I, I don't know. For me, that isn't something that bothers me particularly. Uh, and I think partly because I do love it so much that I, I really don't care <laughs> if yeah, people... So um, yeah, a job job was never a status symbol for you. That that wasn't a big deal for you. And I mean, <clears throat> I don't mean to even apply. Like, yeah, may, maybe when you say what you are, it actually sounds even more impressive than uh, saying you're a teacher. But um, but there were probably some cuts that you took uh, to take this profession rather than the other. Yeah, and finances are always kind of an awkward thing to talk about. So I feel like most of the time we just don't, um, which probably isn't the best approach um but yeah it is it is a little awkward so i work at a in terms of the type of place i work for i work for a not-for-profit and i mean you can kind of tell from the name <laughs> that it's there's not a lot of money rolling around um and like that's that's just the reality of it so in terms of like specifics and you can cut this if you want but um so I have worked here almost four years. Um, I got a slight raise when I got my degree. Oh, spoiler alert. Um, but then I've been promoted twice. Like I've gotten to higher positions. So I'm currently the program director here. Um, and after all that, my annual income is about two thirds of what a first year teacher would make. So like, I'm not, destitute by any means but there is a, a reduction um, there's also a huge reduction in stress and the amount of outside work i have to do but that's just the reality of it now having said that my needs are met and i probably had it easier than some because i didn't have to go from being used to a teacher's salary to then dropping my standard of living because i never made that um, like I was never paid as a teacher, so I didn't have to adjust that way, which was helpful. But yeah, yeah but I, I do want to say that, um, yeah, I'm, I didn't come on the Practicology podcast to ask for money. Uh, that's, that's not my goal. Um, but my, my needs are met. And not only that, but the Lord is kind enough to give me, you know, in the spirit of Ephesians 4, um, something to give as well. So I'm not just spending as little money as possible to survive. Um, yeah. Yeah, I have, I have something yeah. to give and I'm thankful for that. Yeah, yeah. Well, thanks for being willing to go there with me in the conversation because I think for so many of us, we are, um, we're not really thinking about how God made us you know, this is part of God's providence. This is part of discerning God's will and seeking his guidance as well. How did he make me? If I believe he was fully involved with with um, 
knitting me together in my mother's womb and, and making me, you know, the way I am, then, then that's a really important place to start in thinking about what I'm going to do for work. And, and instead of doing that kind of thing and, and thinking of those criteria that you mentioned, we're all about, okay, like, uh, what job's going to give me the big bucks, you know? Or what job is going to give me that job title that, that will really um, sound impressive and, and I'll be able to know that I'm important and I'll know that I'm, I have worth, you know, because I have this really grand uh, job title. And so I just, part of the reason I wanted you on the show, Peter, was I find it so refreshing that you are willing to, you know, abandon the one course that you set off, that you set out on initially so that you could readjust and find a work that that you're good at and and uh, enjoy doing and can really honor the Lord in. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, I, I really appreciate that. So um, we need to keep going, though, because mm-hmm. uh, I think I've jumped ahead <laughs> in some ways. You you're you're in this job, you're full time in it and uh, you're thinking, OK, I think I could stick with this for a while but still at the back of your mind is a bit of unfinished business. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I, I made reference to it in the last episode, I think, um, how it's, it was there and I got that phone call um, saying, okay, we're setting up practicums. What school division would you like to go to? Um, and this had been a condition right from the start. Like when I had my initial interview, um, for the, the part-time position, when I had the second interview for the full-time position, I said, this is something that I want to do, um, at least to try. Like, I, I just want to put in one last um, effort. If it fails again, then we'll, we'll call it done. But yeah, back in, in, in the fall, um, I was placed in one more school back in the city of Winnipeg, and God, in his goodness gave me the best and the easiest um, placement for last. And I remember getting to the end, um, because I made it this time. Surprise, everyone, I finished. Um, And just being so overwhelmed by his goodness and his kindness in allowing me to finish. Um, And again, not like this time, not just kind of hanging on by your fingernails type, um, but it actually went very, very well. I had a really strong team, super supportive team um, that I was working with. Actually, it went so well that for a brief moment, I wondered, hey, maybe I could do this. And then I thought, you know what? No, this is just the Lord's kindness and allowing me to finish well. Um, Let's be done with it and then get back to the work that I really like. So yeah, so that concluded in November 2020. Then I, re- I returned back to uh, my work that month. The Lord is so kind, hey? Mm-hmm. Like he, uh, Amen. he doesn't just take care of the big salvation issues that we all you know, desperately needed his rescue in, but um, as you and I were kind of sharing before we started recording, he, he cares about the little things too. And he wanted Peter Thiessen to finish that degree off. And he, he, he helped you make it happen. So that is, mm-hmm. that is uh, just a wonderful testimony to his goodness for sure. Yeah. Amen. And so that sort of wraps up um, the educational part of it. So I got the degree uh, and then returned back to uh, my place of employment and ha- have stayed there. And that's 
where I continue to this day. Peter, um, you're happily employed there and uh, you're not in those really, really frustrating, difficult uh, places that, that you were, that you've described um, in, in the previous episode. Um, what has changed? You know, like what, what if you, have you, um, do you think of the topic of the will of God differently now? Yeah, I, I definitely do. And man, it was good to hear the episodes you did this summer on on that topic. I I thoroughly enjoyed those, the ones going through Psalm 25. And I felt, <laughs> I felt, not, not that this is always what you strive for, but I felt a little bit validated um, that I'm not the only one <laughs> who thinks along these lines. Um, because I definitely used to think of God's will sort of like a laser beam or perhaps like a step-by-step instructional manual where, you know, you have to do, like, it's either pinpointed, there's one specific thing um, that you are to do and say, and if you miss a step, well, things could get hopeless real fast. And I don't really view it that way anymore. And other... Other events since then have shaped my view on this too, that God's will, it's more like a spotlight than a laser beam, where there is, there is illumination, but it's not as, maybe as, as limiting as the laser beam model, mm-hmm. that idea, mm-hmm. yeah. where, you know, there is one specific thing that you have to do and if you don't do it that you've really messed up and so for example i've thought about my different different choices along the way was it was it god's will for me to go to that specific university to take those courses get that degree to choose the career that i did um is it god's will for me to be here right now and i i worry less about those questions (laughs) to some degree um, but I don't yeah. really worry about yeah. questions like that to the same degree. Because um, what, what I've come to believe is that God's ultimate will, like his big picture plan for us is to make us like Christ. And if we are obeying his commands, so following the command, you know, to do whatever we do to the Lord and not just to the people who are watching us, that's, that's part of the will of God. And it doesn't matter if I'm teaching in a school or if I'm doing a, an educational program for like preschoolers. Um, that's that's not so much the the focus. That's not the where the weight of God's will is. Yeah, 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 yeah. I I agree. And I mean, I'm just thinking, Peter. Like, so um, yeah. There's young people, and let's say that their life starts unfolding. Uh, along a similar pattern that yours took where, you know, but, but let's say that they really, really earnestly prayed uh, about God's guidance regarding, you know, a certain career. And then they get through tons of school. There's tons of, you know, thousands of dollars spent for college and so on. And then, and then like first practicum or, or early on when it's actually time to, for the rubber to hit the road, um, they're just finding out that, that they've made a mistake, you know, like this isn't for me. I can't do this. And, and what that person does not need to add to their stress and disappointment already is this 
sense of, oh my, I guess I'm terrible at discerning God's will. You know, like I really thought I was right in the center of his will when I entered into all this stuff. And now it turns out that I'll, I guess I'll never know uh, God's guidance again because I totally mess that up. Well, well, you know, what if God fully intended that you take that path and, and run into some failure and find out that that doesn't work for you, but but then, you know, as in your case, he, he pulls you into something else that, that you really do discover, this is, a, this is a really great place for me to serve the Lord in. And so I just, I just feel that you, you know, with, with your story, you're giving permission for people to fail, you know, to try something and discover, ah, this isn't for me. I, this, I just can't do this. And instead, I'll, I should redirect into something else. So I think that's extremely valuable. Good. I'm, I'm really glad. Yeah, it's, I, I think, well, I, if you ask, like a lot of people have actually experienced to one degree or another, uh, changing plans where they thought this was the way and it's not. And I mean, I've taken great comfort, um, even in the book of Acts where Paul made plans for where he was going to go. Uh, and you know, he wasn't wrong for making the plans. He didn't end up going to these places. Like One way or another, God stopped him. But the plans weren't sinful. And even he, like, when they tried to go, that, that wasn't sinful. Um, so I think that can be a helpful, helpful reminder that, again, failure in this sense. Like, we often talk about failure as in reference to sin. Um, but in this sense, that this type of failure does not necessarily mean there is a moral or an ethical problem with who you are. In Thomas's last uh, episode on providence there, he talked about God working all things together for good, and I know that we can say those words very mm -hmm. flippantly, but, but he does, he does. And even when we, you know, run up against uh, failure of the kind that you're speaking of, and actually the other kind too, even these things God can, can work together for our good. All the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth To such as keep His covenant and His testimonies For Your name's sake, O Lord Pardon my iniquity, for it is great who is the man that fears the Lord? Him shall he teach in the way he chooses. He himself shall dwell in prosperity, and his descendants shall inherit the earth. The secret of the Lord is with those who fear him, and he will show them his covenant. There is one final thing I want to ask you, Peter. I remember you sharing with me something that changed your life. Uh, I think it was Brother Ross Vanstone preaching, probably at Taylor Side Youth Conference. And you heard something that changed your life that day. Can you share what that was? Absolutely, yeah. So, yeah, I believe that was 2010, my first Taylor Side Youth Conference. Um, huge for anyone who's not from the prairies you can't understand how big of a rite of passage this event is um, and it was the 
last session of the Saturday afternoon ministry and Ross Vanstone was speaking and he gave a message about being yourself um, which is you know a, a, a pretty um, common phrase these days like a pretty almost like a battle cry for um, identity which I know you talked about recently on the podcast Mike and he said and this was the first time that I remember specifically hearing this was that God liked me and I mean I'd been saved for probably close to 10 years at that point um, so like it wasn't like I didn't know that you know Jesus loves me and um, that he died for me but it was the first time that it really connected with me that wow he just likes me uh, he he really really loves me and that honestly has changed my life and it has changed the way I think about myself um, that who am I I am a person who's loved by God mm-hmm. uh, it's changed the way I look at others too that you know the same God who loves me loves them and that has been I would say probably the most like the single most life-changing truth that I've ever realized and I'm, I'm still I'm still amazed at how much he loves me mm-hmm. yeah he likes you you know in your particularities yeah. and specifics and uh, your personality and your giftings and talents and all these things yes he likes you he likes me listeners he, he likes you and and this is a great note for us to finish on mm-hmm. except that we actually have another note to finish on. My eyes are ever toward the Lord, for He shall pluck my feet out of the net. Turn yourself to me, and have mercy on me, for I am desolate and afflicted. The troubles of my heart have enlarged, bring me out of my distresses. Look on my affliction and my pain, and forgive all my sins. Consider my enemies, for they are many, and they hate me with cruel hatred. Keep my soul and deliver me, let me not be ashamed, for I put my trust in you. Let integrity and uprightness preserve me, for I wait for you. Redeem Israel, O God, out of all their troubles.